They danced the bull in the court of the sun. There were three of them, two whip-slender youths and a maiden as slender as they. The bull was vast, looming, and terrible, dappled white and red like sea foam, flecked with blood. His horns were long and curved and deadly sharp. The dancers danced to the beat of a drum and a skirling of pipes, a rhythm as old and yet as young as the morning of the world. The bull's snorts cut through it, and the soft thunder of his hooves in the raked sand. He was swift for all his bulk, and deadly strong. The youths and the maiden danced a ring dance about him, the two youths with set intensity, but the maiden smiling, sweet and wild. It was she who broke the ring at the moment of the bull's lunge toward her, flew into a handspring, caught the spear-keen horns, and whirled and spun and vaulted over his back onto the waiting shoulders of the taller youth. The bull grunted, cheated of his prey. The wall of the bull court loomed in front of him. He thundered to a halt, spraying sand, wheeled and spun with terrible speed. The smaller youth, jealous perhaps at the girl's bravado, leaped in close as she had done but he had leaped too soon. The bull's horn caught him in the air. It pierced him as if he had been made of linen, pierced and tore. The bull tossed its head, grunting at the sudden weight trapped on its horn. The youth's body convulsed, but he made no sound, nor could he move even to grasp the horn that stabbed him to the heart. He slid down the horn onto the bull's head and shoulders, lying there as if at ease staring open-eyed into the pitiless face of the sun. He was not dead, not yet, but death lay upon him as he lay upon the bull. The bull bellowed in sudden anger at his ungainly burden, reared and twisted and flung it, lifeless, on the sand. Kemney started awake. In his dream, he had not been the bull dancer, and yet, in his waking, he could feel the agony of the horn in his own vitals, ripping through them, rending the life from him. He lay gasping, running with sweat, and not alone because the night was warm. His throat was raw. Had he been screaming? If so, no one had heard or troubled to come. Slowly the world came back to him, and with it, memory. He lay in his bed in the palace of Thebes, in his cell of a room that he had managed, one way and another, to fill with possessions. One such, the lamp painted on its side with a many-armed and coiling sea creature, burned low but steady. It made great shadows about the carved and painted chest in which he kept his clothes, and the plainer chest of his weapons, and the box atop it that held his treasures. His eyes rested on none of those, but on the lamp itself. It had come from Crete, or so the traitor had assured him. Was that then why he had dreamed a Cretan dream tonight? He had heard how they danced the bulls before their gods and seen pictures painted, but never in life. Yet he could smell the sharp sweat of the dancers and the heavier, muskier reek of the bull and the dry, hot scent of sand. And over it all, the stink of blood and riven entrails. He sucked in a breath. It brought him nothing more terrifying than the pungency of his own sweat and a hint of perfume from the maid who had been in his bed when he fell asleep. She was gone. He was all alone. He and his dream.
He sat up, fighting the urge to protect vitals that no bull's horn had ever gored. His head ached abominably. Of course, the wine jar was empty. He had drunk the last of it with the girl. What was her name? He did not recall that he had ever asked. He stumbled to his feet, clutching the jar to his chest, and went somewhat foggily in search of wine. It was the black hour before dawn, when even the servants slept, and only the night guard struggled to remain awake. He had walked these ways before in the whispering dark, by the slant of moonlight across a courtyard, and the flicker of a torch in a passageway. Spirits of the dead, and those who slept like the dead, fluttered and chittered overhead.